Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. When I was doing the Chelsea Handler show, I had just finished, and then my manager and my publicist sat me down right after the show, which was such a great show, and it was amazing, and it was so fun. And, you know, she was basically like, there's, you know, they're going to run the story. Not much I can do about it. I'm sorry. It just sucked because, you know, married to a sex addict, first of all, this was my first cover I ever got on a magazine. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's rude against my husband. Like, it's shameful for him, and it's embarrassing, and it's just... It was it was really hard. And I remember like walking in the airports just like trying to turn over the magazines because <laughs> I'm like, this is just embarrassing. And that's where I was like, but I want to change the narrative. And it wasn't until I was in rehab and figuring out all these things about myself and realizing that my behaviors over time were that of an addict that I was like, holy shit, like I am. And even after I got out of rehab and, and, and trying to remain in recovery, it was hard to accept that. I'm finally at a point now today where, yes, I'm a sex addict. It sucks, but I am. And I don't have as much shame around that. I still wish it wasn't part of my story, but I'm able to own that. Jana Kramer and Mike Cawson had the makings of a fairy tale love story at first. She had a successful acting and singing career, and he was a professional football player. They fell in love hard and fast and had a picture-perfect wedding. But fairy tales don't exist. Jenna and Mike learned that the hard way. And we say this a lot in this podcast. Screw fairy tales. This love story is a modern fairy tale. It's filled with human failures and fights, and it is a story about a couple who hit rock bottom and chose to do the hard work, the hard work that it would take to stay together. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. Mike and I have, we met on Twitter. He slid into my DMs. Classic real classic love story. love story. Yep. Slid into my DMs and 
you know, I just, I was 30 and I was eating mac and cheese and drinking a glass of wine. By age 30, Jana was finally at a good place in her life. Her career as an actress was going well. She'd already released one country music album and was preparing to release a second one. She'd had two very brief early marriages that, by her own admission, were gigantic mistakes. But she'd gone to therapy and worked on herself, and she was pretty psyched about her life. And then Mike Cawson favorited one of her Instagrams. She followed him. I was looking at my phone, and I was like, oh, he's cute. Why is he favoriting something? He goes, hey, thanks for the follow, is what he said to me. Yeah, that's literally like all, like all I said. I really yeah. didn't say much. I was just like, hey, thanks for the follow back. He had like favorited a couple Ho- of hope my you're having like a good night model or shots. And then she was quick on the trigger to respond. He had a really cute photo. I had a, I had a strong profile photo. I did. I, I yeah, he did. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was quite strong. It, it worked on me and I'm sure a couple other ladies in the past. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. And you know, the next thing we know, four days later, he's on my tour bus and we're, uh, we're, he's going to my show in Chicago. Yeah, it's funny now because I just, I know that world so well after us being together for like four years, but it was exciting. It was cool. Like I remember talking to my buddies and I was like, yeah, I'm waking up tomorrow at like four in the morning. They're like, why? I was like, oh, I'm flying to Chicago. Like, why? I was like, well, uh, I've been talking to Jana Kramer. Like, what? I was like, yeah, she's playing a show in Chicago. I'm going to go. And so like when I got there and like getting on the bus and everything, it was just, it was such a culture shock for me just coming from the football world. And uh, I was like, this is so different. But it was exciting. It was cool. Mike had signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars as an undrafted free agent in 2010. He'd been playing in the NFL for five years by then. He did not hesitate even a little. He went to Chicago on a whim, and that was the beginning of a whirlwind romance. Jana and I connected on a very honest level at the, at the very beginning very quickly. And... We both kind of had underdog stories and we kind of saw that in one another and we respected and appreciated that in one another to get where we had in our, in our individual careers at the level that we had and coming from the background of our story is just, we just admired that in one another and we just had the very similar work ethic and mentality at life. So like Jana said, it just, we just kind of realized unspokenly that we wanted to kind of go through life together. They said, I love you after 10 days of knowing one another. Moved in together after three months. Mike describes it as a love like he had never imagined. And yes, like we said earlier, this does sound like the start of a storybook fairy tale. Six months later, we're engaged. And about three months after that, we had a baby girl we're in my married, belly. And then, after, and then a month <laughs> yeah. after that, we were pregnant. So yeah. in about 11 months, we made like every major life change. We had just like bought a house together in Nashville in like October of 2014. And two months later on her 36 First. first birthday I proposed and I did it at our house I did a I took her out for dinner she just thought we were having dinner and stuff for her birthday and she had never been surprised before and little did she know back at the house there's like 40 people at the house waiting for a surprise then she thought it was just a surprise party and then I did the whole kind of like speech in front of everybody type of deal and proposed to her it was pretty cool our wedding was picture perfect it was the most beautiful day you could imagine it was a beautiful venue. It was beautiful people, family, friends, all that. It was it was awesome. It was amazing. It was like perfect. We had a hard time getting pregnant and had a couple miscarriages. But, you know, for us, we were fortunate to try IVF and it didn't work. But the silver lining for us is that after each failed IVF cycle, we ended up getting pregnant naturally. So it really, you know, I don't know if my body just needed the extra 
progesterone or or what it was, but I mean, we're just incredibly blessed, obviously, to have the two that we have. It just is very different and weird that I got pregnant after each failed IVF. Mm-hmm. With IVF, it's tough because... As the, just speaking from my perspective, it's really difficult because naturally the the women in my experience with Jana, uh, she, you know, you should take it personally because you guys are the one bearing the children. You feel like it's something that you did that the reason the, 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 the baby didn't stay or, or that you lost it or whatever. So I can understand how it would feel extremely personal for the female. So it's difficult for the male to be able to support that, but also realize that, hey, we lost a baby too. So it's, you know, the second time around, we were really able to embrace that in one another and speak on our feelings and how we feel and realize that, hey, neither one of us are alone. Like, we have each other. 100%. I was just talking to, um, baby, I think, were we talking about this? I said, you know, I used to be so envious of relationships that didn't have any breaks and didn't have any problems, you know, from what we saw. And they just were had happy and they're like, oh, we don't fight at all. I'm like, God, that must be so nice. I was always so envious. And now I'm like, man... I love our relationship so much more because we've gone through so much together and we've learned so much. And I know so much about his skeletons. He knows my skeletons. Like we, we know the good, the bad, the ugly and everything in between. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. I really wouldn't. So we're going to talk about those skeletons because there've been a lot of them in the five years since Jenna and Mike met and got married. When they first started posting about their relationship and marriage on social media, their fans went wild. They showered them with hashtags of hashtag couple goals, hashtag adorable family, hashtag dreams, hashtag fairy tale. But social media is not reality. And again, fairy tales do not exist. It was only a couple of months into their relationship that Jana discovered that Mike was cheating on her. I was questioning some behaviors with a friend and she said, check the phone bills. And I did. And I saw a bunch of numbers on there that did not add up. So that's how I found out. And it was one of those moments where you think you're in a really bad dream. And then you wake up the next day and you realize you wait, you're, it wasn't, it's, it's just one of those really bad moments where you just feel like you're just this couldn't be real. And then the next day happens and it's like, oh, it's still real. And the next day it's just, you have a hard time waking up from it. It's one of those things where it's almost like an out of body experience. Like I feel like I'm going to almost like, like pass out. And it, you know, I was just going to bed hoping I'd wake up the next morning and wait and just say, oh, that was a bad dream and everything's okay. Until you realize it is a reality, which is incredibly painful. And then just a year later, Mike admitted he'd had multiple affairs. Jana told Mike they needed to separate, that he needed to get help. More on that after a quick break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty-turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt 
to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. After Jana discovered Mike's affairs, Mike went into treatment. He knew it was the only way to save his relationship. But it was uh, not talked about what kind of treatment it was. So everyone just kind of assumed that it was alcohol or drugs or whatever. Um, Pills or... Yes, whatever. Oh, 100%. I wish wish that was it. I wish that would have been my thing. And I still do. It was one of those things where I didn't, like many, I didn't know what sex addiction was. And so when all of this was going down, Jana was basically like, if you want any shot in the world, you have to go somewhere and figure whatever is going on with you out, you got to figure it out. And so our therapist at the time recommended this uh, treatment facility and recommended, you know, or suggested that I may be suffering from sex addiction. And I was like, okay, whatever. I don't know what that is, but I'll go just to try to salvage my marriage. And it wasn't until I was in rehab and figuring out all these things about myself and realizing that my behaviors over time were that of an addict that I was like, holy shit, like I am. And even after I got out of rehab and, and, and trying to remain in recovery, it was hard to accept that. I'm finally at a point now today where, yes, I'm a sex addict. It sucks, but I am. And I don't have as much shame around that. I still wish it wasn't part of my story, but I'm able to own that. Jana felt completely lost when Mike was in rehab. Suddenly, she was a single mom with a baby daughter who didn't know who she was. One day, she'd feel completely free and committed to being a single mom. She even took a job on Dancing with the Stars. But the next day, she'd be enraged. She'd smash Mike's Xbox and write asshole all over the inside of his wedding tuxedo. And yet every single day... No matter how angry she was, she walked out to the mailbox at 3.06 p.m. to see if she got a letter from Mike. It was the only way she could stay close to him. One afternoon, Jana had just finished doing a big interview when she got a call from her publicist. She told her that Us Weekly was about to run an article on their cover about Mike being a sex addict. When I was doing the Chelsea Handler show... I had just finished, and then my manager and my publicist sat me down right after the show, which was such a great show, and it was amazing, and it was so fun. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, like another like dark cloud. And you know, she was basically like, "There's, you know, they're going to run the story. Not much I can do about it. I'm sorry." And um, it 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 just sucked because you know, married to a sex addict. First of all, this was my first cover I ever got on a magazine. And I'm like, this, it just sucks that this was the, this was the story that was that. And to, to not only, you know, and it's, it's, it's rude against my husband. Like, you know, even though we were separated, it's still, it's shameful for him and um, it's embarrassing. And it's just, it was, it was really hard. And, you know, I remember like walking in the airports, just like trying to turn over the magazines because <laughs> I'm like, this is just embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and that's where I was like, but I want to change the narrative. I want to be able to show how we can be stronger. And obviously I, I didn't think that until much later on, because I wasn't sure what I was doing at that point, but yeah, it was hard. And Jenna, how did it feel for you realizing that Mike was a sex addict? Um, I mean, 
how I know as women, it's so hard not to internalize this immediately and be like, what does this have to do with me? Yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I look this way or if I do this or if I dress differently or and I was trying to change me and realizing, you know, years later that it's not about me, but it's still hard. I don't love the addict in him, obviously, and the addict is what scares me every day because I don't know when the next time or if he's going to act out. Like, I, I pray he doesn't, but it's also it's I don't we don't know. Living with that kind of uncertainty is is really hard. And, you know, I just hope that like he stays healthy and, you know, he he fights for himself and his family and for us. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely hard. And because it's not something that. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say this like Rube, it's not something I like signed up for. Like, it's not something like I not that I would have if you told me in the beginning what I have left, but it would have been something I would have had to made a decision for myself on, mm-hmm. you know, so I kind of felt like I didn't have a. I wasn't given a choice. Mike says his sex addiction started really early on in his life. I never learned or was taught how to express my emotions in a healthy way. So I know my parents did the best job they could, and I love my parents. And I had a great childhood. Not everything was perfect, but no childhood is. But... I, my parents were the kind that we didn't really talk about issues. We just kind of swept it on the rug and move, moved on. I was raised by an old school dad where it's, you know, get over it. You're fine. Rub some dirt on it. Don't be soft. And so he never really expects, uh, expressed emotions. So for me, just the way that I, I handled all of that was anytime I was feeling something, I suppressed it. And as I got older, my quote unquote drug of choice ended up being women. And, you know, I was always active in sports with my with my career and everything. So alcohol and drugs just wasn't in the equation for me personally. I just didn't really have an interest. And so I just took to women. And that, and that was what I used to to suppress my emotions, to handle things when I was dealing with anxiety or, or stress or anything else. And I use this kind of analogy to um, for people to, to simplify it for people. My therapist asked me this one time. He said, you know, I was talking to him about something. He said, hey, you know, I got some alcohol in the other room. Do you want to go have a drink? I'm like, no, it's like 11 o'clock in the morning. Why would I do that? He's like, okay, well, you can go watch porn in the other room or there's a woman over there waiting for you. Do you want that? And just this, and obviously I didn't, but that split second of hesitation that made me think about it. I was like, holy shit, like I am powerless or I, I have been powerless over that because even though I didn't want alcohol in that moment I was like yeah you know I'll consider that I'll consider porn or I'll consider masturbating or I'll consider it you know a woman and so for me that just really simplified how powerless I had been throughout my life to expressing my emotions through acting out how much were you involved in Mike's therapy while he was at the center getting treatment It could have been, and this is kind of one little sour subject because he never, I mean, granted, when he did try to call me, I would hang up and mother F him, but there was a, like a a family time where I could have come down and heard the, like the full disclosure and, you know, to Mike always like, well, you, you wouldn't have come. And I was like, you, I wish you would have given me at least the opportunity. And you're right. I probably would have mother F'd you and been like, I don't want to go down there. But a part of me is like, 
I think I might have too, just to like try to understand it more and to have just like the opportunity because I know there is like a week or a, a day or so that people can come down and have like that family time. But yeah, it's um, like a it's like a forty eight hour thing. It's like a family week or whatever that they had, and where family are the ones that you're involved with can come down and you read like impact letters to each other. You do it yeah. full disclosure. And, and so we didn't get that, which I think kind of hurt our healing. Mike actually filed for divorce right when he got out of rehab. He didn't want a divorce necessarily, but he did want to see their daughter. And Jana kept pushing him away, so he didn't know how else he could do it. Our friend and, and manager, Catherine's here, who's the one that had to break the news to Jana that I After filed. I performed the jive on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> yeah, it was. So for me, I had just gotten out of rehab. It, it had been 70 days since I seen our daughter. I had been calling and texting Jana and be like, I want to see Jolie. I want to see Jolie. And she's like, you know, no, fuck you. I don't want to see you. <laughs> And so I was talking to a lawyer. I was like, I need to force her hand because I want to see, I have to see my daughter. Like it's 70 days. She's six months, eight months old. Like I have to see her. And so I filed for divorce and I'll let Jana take it from here. Yeah. And I was like, he did what? I'm like, no, I get to do that. Like, that's what I get to do. He doesn't get to do that. It was wrong of me to not, you know, let him come see Jolie. I just, she was the only thing that, I felt safe around, you know, she's, she was my little girl. Like I was just in mama bear mode and she was just like the one thing that like brought me peace and calm. And, and I just, I didn't want to have to deal with it while I was doing the show. And, you know, and, and it was, it was so incredibly wrong. So like, I get why he did, but in the moment I'm just like, oh no. And I told him, I was like, you better, I was like, if you don't reverse it, I'm like, when I file, it's done. Like, he's like, well, we can take it back. I'm like, no, no, no. Like you don't understand if you continue through with this and I, then have to counter file. I'm like, there's no going back. Like, I can't do that. Like, that's just not in my like DNA. Like when I put decide on something, I'm done. And so I'm like, that to me is just so final. I was like, I, I will be willing to try. You can come see Jolie, just reverse the papers. If not, it's it, like, it's going to be bad. Like we'll be done. So luckily he reversed it. And did you ever want to get divorced? I mean, was there ever a point where you're like, no, yes. I want to, I want to get divorced. But did you, you wanted it to be on your terms. <laughs> yeah. Which again is so like, and we both, I mean, even there was times when he was like, you have to stop shaming me or I'm like, I can't handle this. And I'm like, I, I get it. But I'm just like, it was, it was so hard. But yeah, I mean, there's plenty of times that I'm just like, file, let's just do this. Like, I, I can't do this anymore with you. This is just too freaking painful to sit in this. Um, so, I mean, we had plenty of divorce conversations. I mean, even just right before we found out we were pregnant with Jace, I was like, I'm done. I can't deal with the, the addict. I can't deal with the relapse. I, j- I just, I'm literally, I, there's n- I can't handle this anymore. And same with him. Like he had, you know, he, he plenty of times too. He's like, doesn't want to sit in it and doesn't want to deal with it. He'd have a hell of a lot easier life with someone that he didn't hurt. Because he comes out of rehab and he's like, you should respect me. And I'm like, the hell I'm am. Like, what, what? No, I have not spoken to you since you went in there. Like, and he comes out like, I'm worthy of these. And I'm like, let me just tear you right back down, buddy. Because this is like, <laughs> you didn't give me the opportunity to have any like grieving or impact. Like I did write a letter to him and which he re- read, but I didn't see his reaction. I didn't see how it made him feel. Um, I was scared to I ask you. Well, I still would have liked the opportunity. I know, I'm just saying in that taking myself back to that, I was scared to ask you. I get it. I, I was would... scared of the rejection. Yeah. Potential rejection. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yep, I opened that fucking yep. can of worms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1,000%. But Jana and Mike were committed to at least trying to work through all their shit. We'll hear more about that after a quick break. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. It started with therapy was the first thing. And then as we grew in therapy and we started doing our own work and spending our individual sessions, not just bitching about the other person, but doing introspective work and growth, then it turned into the faith aspect where it's like, okay, we can do all the work we want, but we, we're not going to find all the answers. We're not going to figure this out via just going to therapy. We need to let go of some control of this and we need to pray about this. We need to lean into a higher power again. We need to find God individually and as a couple. And I think once we, we started having those conversations and started letting go of some control, that's when we're really able to take the next step of surrender and leaning into one another. Yeah. And just having God be a part of our marriage, which he never was like we would Mm -mm. pretend, I guess, like he was, but we would never speak on it or talk about it. So now it's just more of an open conversation and it's, it just, it feels better. Um, they, there was, you know, a survey that we put in the book about, I think it was like Harvard, wasn't it babe? Like, Mm -hmm. like a percentage of like married couples, they stay together. If you pray together, go to church together, there's a reason that having that faith can help a marriage. When you say give up control, what do you mean by that? Especially for both of us, right? We want to control each other's feelings. We want to manage each other's feelings, manage people. You know, if Gina's having fear around trust or whatever, I, I want to like do things to manage that and make sure she's okay. And Gina wants to try to, you know, early on, she'd want to control and set boundaries on what I could do so she wouldn't feel as triggered with trust and everything. Oh no, you can't go there because I'm going to be triggered. And and so we just got so heightened and so crazy about trying to manage each other's feelings where instead of just having to force yourself to trust the other person or to put your emotions, your heart fully into them, you got to put it into something else too. You got to put it in, in God's hands that he has a plan for this, that it's not just in our control. Yes, we control our actions. We're responsible for our actions, but it really relieved a lot of the stress and anxiety in our relationship with the triggers that we were dealing with and with the feelings that we had at times. Just be like, you know what? I'm doing what I can do in this moment. 
the rest of it, I just got to let go. Do you think you guys would both have a hell of a lot easier life with someone else? Or are you glad you stuck it out with each other? Great question. Um, yeah, sure. On paper, it would it would seem easier to for both of us to be with somebody that, you know, for me to be with somebody that I haven't hurt, that does trust me, that gives me the benefit of the doubt. And for Jana, you know, it would be a lot easier for her to be with someone that she can trust and doesn't have all these fears around and isn't an addict and and everything. But at the same time, not saying that getting divorced is easy, but we knew what we wanted. We knew we wanted to try. You know, something that Jana said throughout this whole ride has been she wanted to be able to look Jolie in the eye and say that, you know, mommy tried as hard as she could. And then if it still didn't work out, then she could, you know, hang her head high. So we just realized that with both of us trying as, as hard as we could, that we're able to make this work. And we don't wish we were th with other people, you know, because if we were, we wouldn't have the family. And we were talking to a couple the other day and they, it was an older couple and they brought up this point. It's like these moments that we have with our kids, with Jolie and Jace, we both kind of reflect. It's like, man, we would be missing this moment right now if we didn't try. And how much would that suck? I mean, yeah, we have our hard days. We have days we get triggered. But most days, it's not even about the affairs anymore. It's just about communication errors or like just married issues. And that's where like our therapist was like, hey, guys, we did it. Like we're, we're, we're now talking about the normal stuff that most normal couples fight about. And every once in a while that the triggers of the past will come in. But it's always going to be there. And it's how we deal with it because we don't want it to be a struggle. We don't want to be unhappy every single day and we're not now again we have I think like every marriage has their issues where we're just like ah but like we always say it would be different cast same story so we're all going to have our stuff we all bring in our childhood wounds we all bring in our baggage and someone else is going to have a different set of issues and then we have to you know figure out how to live with them and deal with them so it's it's about kind of just marriage just is hard <laughs> you know <laughs> I think that should be the name of this podcast instead of committed. It should be marriage is just hard. Just, just dot, 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 hard. hard. It hard. is, though. It is. It's a struggle, man. But it's like, it's a good struggle, bus. You know, it's a good fight. Oh, that's good. But um, Nice plug, honey. <laughs> yeah. Jana, have you ever thought about evening the score with Mike? Cheating on him to get back at him? Thousand percent. Like, 1,000 quadrillion percent, I, you know, and I, that's the part of me that's just the spiteful, bitter, angry, hurt person. But at the end of the day, that does, that would hurt me more in the end. And also, I don't want it to be like my fault if we, <laughs> if we were to break up, like that's the competitiveness in me that like, I don't want it to be on, and I could never even the score, love you, but like, it would never be even but, you right, know, right, right. either way, a hurt is hurt no matter, like, it's just, that's, that's not fair. But yeah, I mean, I definitely have daydreamed about it a time or two. <laughs> you know, on a light note around that topic, though, you know, recently, Jana was questioning me because I wasn't getting jealous around a situation she was in. She's like, why are you not jealous? I was like, I, I don't care. I don't know. I trust you and I'm not jealous. And Ultimately, it was a, it was a cute co-star of my last film. Yeah. So. And I was just like, I don't know. I met him. He's at our house. I trust you. I'm going to go to my buddies. And she was so confused by that. She was like, <laughs> huh, it, like, interesting. I wouldn't trust you, but okay. And I told her, I was like, it's not just about me trusting you. It's also about, I know you inside and out. Your pride 
will not allow you to be a reason that this relationship ends. Like she, she wants to be able to say that she never stepped out of the, out of the marriage. And I was like, you just, if anything, if your morals don't stop you, your pride will to be able to say like, I didn't do anything outside this marriage to, to ruin it. So she's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, but I think one of the problems, and then we talked about this in the book was like, you know, when he was separated, I, I did, you know, have my, you know, moments with other dudes and I entertained situations and, you know, he really wanted me to apologize for that. And I'm like, but I didn't cheat on you. And he's like, you, you did. And I was like, he's like, we were still married. I'm like, but we were separated. And so we had, we fought on that for years. And so like, to me, I'm like, I was not getting back together. Like we were separated. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Still married. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> a couple of years ago, Jana wanted to write a book about their experiences, all of their experiences. And, you know, when you put it all together like that, it reads like a really good screenplay. And this was early on in our reconciliation and trying to kind of come back together. And she brought it to me and I ripped it up. I was like, we are not bringing this to the world. Let's just, you know, sweep it under the rug and never talk about it again. Hoping you shredded it, not yeah. just ripped it up. It was like a Hoping shred. It would, go, it would go away. But that was early on. And I was still stuck in a lot of shame. And it wasn't until our podcast was originally uh, Jana's. And I started going on there. And we started opening up and sharing more and more. And Jana would share with me a lot of DMs that she would get of people just being appreciative of us opening up and talking about things. And so... Then I was validated that Jana was right this entire time. And we could, there's a light at the end of the tunnel with this. If we, if we change the narrative, you know, we can help people and then also help ourselves in the process. Instead of Jana just writing the book, they started writing it together. And that involved Into the Good Fight. It hit the New York Times bestseller list this past October. What was it like, the process of writing a book together? And at the end of it, do you think your relationship is stronger for having done this thing together? I mean, there was a lot of hard days writing this. There was times when we had to stop writing because we'd get triggered and it's hard to open up those wounds. But there was also days that it grew us closer. Like some of the silly arguments that we put in the book were like, wow, we've come so far, which then definitely brought us closer. So the one thing I'll say and a point that we want to drive home for, for all your listeners and for people that we really hope give this book a chance is we wrote this from both of our perspectives. So there's a there's. Jana writes, I write, and then there's a we voice. And we didn't use a ghostwriter or anything. We wrote every word of this book, Jana and I. And that was important to us because we wanted it to feel authentic. We want people to read these pages and be like, like, holy shit, that's me. Like, I'm totally Jana in this situation. I'm totally Mike in this situation. We want partners to even read this together and, and you know, laugh about it or, or connect over it because it was important for us to do that for for people to feel exactly what it was that we were going through in that moment from our individual perspective. So, you know, we really hope your your listeners and the people that read this book can connect over that because that was our whole goal.
I'll say I'm glad we went through it earlier than we did later, because if we were to have 10, 20 years under our belt Mm -hmm. and have all these lies and secrets and affairs, like that would be ginormous to have to overcome. I mean, if you think about all the memories we would have created and everything with the kids. A decade worth of lies. A decade worth. It's like a few years of lies is still terrible, but it's not a decade. It's not. And so I feel like it's a little bit less of a mountain to get over but I will also say regardless we have just been through the like the shittiest worst times in our marriage and I feel like we're stronger now because of it and I'm a better person now because of it too like I've had to do so much work on myself where I maybe would have have done that work or I wouldn't have looked in the mirror or I wouldn't have been able to to see other the other side of things so I think it's been healthy for us as a couple to have to do all the work that we've done Fortunately, now we were able to look back on it with some respect and admiration, knowing what we know now and realizing how strong each of us are individually and together as a couple and what we're willing to do for ourselves and for our kids. It's just, you know, when you succeed at something and fight for something and work hard for something and you achieve it, you know, at the end goal, you're like, wow, you know, you feel better about yourself. So like Jana said, if we haven't gone through this, we wouldn't grow as individuals as much as we have and make us just better people, make us better parents, better friends, better, you know, spouses. Fortunately, again, we're to that point where we can have some gratitude for it, but still wouldn't wish this pain upon anybody. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. Special thanks to Jana Kramer and Mike Cawson. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Ramsey Yunt. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Kling. Theme song by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.